0: All right, Heather, sing me a song about love and monsters.
1: (laughs) About love and monsters. Um, Yes,
0: it has to be both.
1: Oh, how about they did the mash? They did the monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. (laughs) No, that doesn't talk about
0: loving monsters.
1: Yeah, but, you know, why are you going to like party with people in a graveyard if you don't love them? You know? no <laughs> that's the best that i could think I of. i was looking
0: for that song about that the girl whose like boyfriend comes back to the dead
1: oh that oldies song yes oh yeah i used to love that song too the um my boyfriend's back and he's gonna na
0: and for all i know it could be that they're just like back from like the store or something i don't know but it always seemed like it, they meant Back from the Dead.
1: Yeah, because I think they also did like a movie called My Boyfriend's Back.
0: Yeah, something like that. And that was the
1: premise of it. So that could be why it seems that way. So. That that was a good song. You're right. I should have thought about that one. That's
0: one I was thinking of. Because that's about loving a monster. It's about loving a zombie. So that um, was it. Well,
1: does it? Is it like a half point because I did sing it when I figured out what no. song you wanted? No.
0: Oh. Because that's the point, is you're supposed to do stuff like that, because I don't sing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you kind
1: of forced me to sing, because I I don't typically sing either, so...
0: (laughs) But I don't sing, so I don't. So, it is what it is. You had your one chance to get a point without Jastin here, and you didn't do it. And I ruined it. Yeah. You did. You didn't take advantage of the opportunities given to you.
1: I tried. You did not accept my answer. I gave it a go.
0: Yeah, I didn't accept your answer because it was wrong.
1: But I tried.
0: Yeah, and you failed.
1: But I took the opportunity. Eh. I just did not succeed in the way that you had hoped.
0: That means nothing to me. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to cue the actual music. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by, well, just Heather this time, no jest, and we are doing a little bonus episode for you guys. We will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with the movie Love and Monsters. We will go spoiler-free, give our recommendations and scores, and then go into a more spoiler-centric section. And, as always, I don't start this, so Heather... What are your spoiler-free thoughts about Love and Monsters?
1: So this is one of those movies, again, lately, I feel like I've had a lot of those where I didn't really know much about it or hear a ton about it before watching it. I think you had heard about it and suggested that we try to do an episode on it. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, had no idea really what to expect other than just the basic premise of you know, they're fighting monsters and love is involved somehow, you know, all of that. So, um, so yeah, I didn't have a, um, I didn't really have an expectation going into the movie, but, um, you know, and I didn't really know many of the people in the movie other than Michael Rooker and, um, the main character played by Dylan O'Brien or Dylan O'Brien, the main actor. So yeah, I just, I didn't really, yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, we'll see how it goes. But it's honestly really good. Like it's it's one of those where you you're pleasantly surprised by it and I don't even know if surprise is the word, but it is just a kind of a delightful movie, you know? I mean, it's it's not overly anything. It's, it's a little bit of everything, but it's not overly anything. So it's a really good balance of different genres. Like you've got the love story, you've got action, you got, you know, sci-fi, you've got good backstory, you know, it's just very well done. Um, and it's got good visuals and effects. It's got pretty solid acting for just the few people that are really in it per se. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those where I, I honestly wouldn't mind, you know, ever just like if, if I wanted to recommend, you know, just like a fun action adventure type of movie to somebody just to say, Hey, let's watch something different and unique. This is a good one for that because it is, it's a little different and unique, but not, not so much to where you're like, Oh, this is too complicated. Like it's a a very simple plot line, but done in a a very good way to where it keeps you interested enough. Like it kind of, it's almost like it pulls different aspects of types of movies and puts it all in one, but doesn't overly complicate it. I don't know if that makes sense, but just how they pace this movie, how they tell the story of this movie is really good. Um, it keeps you, yeah, they don't, linger too much in places like this is a really well paced movie, honestly. So I, I think that that's sometimes lost when you're trying to do too much action, or when you have a movie that involves a lot of sci fi stuff. And it's it's not doing that it's it's very much on point on pace. And, you know, you get a full well rounded story from beginning to end. And it's good. So I am glad that I watched it.
0: Yeah, this was one of those movies that I had just heard about, and I had seen it on iTunes, and I had heard about it, and every time I heard somebody talk about it, everybody said it was good, but I don't know, like, I just really hadn't seen much of anything else about it ever, you know what I mean? I hadn't seen any advertisements for it, I hadn't seen it, anything, i just seen it on iTunes and heard it was good. So I was like, well, let me see. So I bought it. And it, for all like accounts and everything like that, it it is a good movie. It's one of those movies that, like you said, it does a lot of things. There's monsters, there's a love story, there's action, there's emotional turns, there's, you know, like a little subplot about like family and this and that. And like, there's kind of a lot going on, but... It's very straightforward, there's no complicatedness to it, and ultimately this is one of those movies that it doesn't do anything exceptional, like it doesn't do anything groundbreaking to where you're like, oh my god, you have to talk about this or this or that. It's just one of those movies that it does what it does, and it does everything just very well to to the point to where it's it's a very good watch, and like I'm, I'm, I'm very glad I, I, I bought this. This is one of those movies that you could easily just watch a few times. You know, it's yeah. And I will say this for a movie that wasn't getting pressed that hard or anything like that. So you're going to assume it really didn't have a huge budget or anything, because it's like, well, why are they pushing anything to get its money back? It's the the monsters and the CGI and everything they do for these monsters is very good. Yeah like to me that's probably the most surprising thing about it is that the creature designs are very creative i mean this isn't too much of a spoiler because it, it's talked about like within the first couple of minutes of the movie but the the monsters are uh just mutated creatures on earth and you know like your your bugs or crustaceans or this or that those types of things and i mean they just look very good they don't have anything really weird going to them they've got nice textures to them the they're blending with the lighting of the settings is very good there's just nothing about it that shows you know any problems that you would typically have in something like this like a typical low budget special effects you know it doesn't look like it'd be a sci-fi movie it's it very much looks like a big movie with how well they do the special effects and i will also give it this that's like A lot of big, big budget movies still end up having problems with stuff here and there. It looks like in this, they just designed things that they could easily animate, but also would work in the context of the story. And so in doing so, they were able to make things just look very nice. Yeah. And, I mean, I give them credit for that, because a lot of movies don't have that... uh, I don't want to say forethought, but...
1: I, yeah, I was actually about to say, like, they, you could tell they were very thoughtful in, like, how they did them and just even the, the detail that they give to what type of monsters they are and what they look like, even,
0: you know? Oh, yeah. Like, and, I mean, they just, it was just very smart with how they did it. And, you know, for being called Love and Monsters, you don't see a ton of monsters. They also did a very good job at times just showing a character running away from something. Instead of showing the monster, mm-hmm. and like I the think suspense that, that was a smart way of handling it too. You know, and in yeah. doing so, you get like the sense of danger from everything, and you get that sense of that there are monsters and all this other stuff without actually having to do the work and design them and all that other stuff, which just is more money, more all this. It's it's just very smart. It's very Hitchcockian, if you will, where sometimes the whole not showing is what makes it better in cer- certain instances.
1: Yeah. If it's in a very weird, interesting vein of it's even like it's, it's somewhat predictable in a lot of ways, but it doesn't keep you from enjoying it because the other stuff that they do leading up to some of that predictability is so well done. And it's interesting. Like it, it it's creative in that way. And so Even though it is predictable in some parts of what they do, you're, you're still into it and you're still, you still want to know what's going to happen. And you're still just like, even if it turns out, whether it turns out the way you want it to or not, it still is very much like you're rooting for it. You're like, I want to know what's going to happen, you know? So.
0: No, I get that. And I, and I do agree with that. Like this movie, this movie is incredibly, incredibly straightforward. And just and it's smart with how it does that, though, because it doesn't it doesn't overcomplicate itself to where you stop caring.
1: Right. Exactly. Not overcomplicated, but not so predictable that you don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like there I mean, there is some stuff up in the air, but I think and they want you to think that the movie's about that. But when it comes down to it, they do a very good job of making the movie not necessarily about what you think it is.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like a a misdirect in a way like it is about that. But there's like an underlying message to it that you're, you're learning along the way. And I know we'll get a little bit more into that when we get into spoilers. But I actually just really appreciated kind of their, their overall, like overarching message of what they were trying to do. And just kind of hidden in the, in the confines of Oh, it's monsters and it's about, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause I mean, like I said, they, they take elements from a couple of different things. Like your are you're really good, like monster, like suspense movies. You know, they give you that with like um a, a little bit of like a bird box or um quiet place element to it mixed with, you know, action adventure of kind of like a jungle book type of thing. Um, you know, it, it's just very, it's got a lot of really, the good elements from those movies is what they put in this. And I don't know, it's just like a very unique way that they kind of crafted everything that they did with this movie. So it's, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I and it's weird because, like, kind of like how we talked about, la, um, in our, one of our previous episodes, where I would say, like, sci fi movies, I, I probably watch them the least of the movie genres that you normally watch. That's the one that I watch the least amount of, probably. But if they had more movies that were like this, it's—I don't know. I just—I feel like I, if they had more movies out there like this, I would be a lot more into that genre. So
0: yeah. Well, and and that's kind of where this movie does succeed, is because it does kind of blend those genres together. Like, it does have elements of a traditional, like, love story, rom-com type of feel to some stuff. But instead of it being, like, other weird obstacles coming in the way, it's monsters. Like, it's just fucking monsters everywhere.
1: Yeah. Instead of, like, a plague that's destroying the Earth or, you know what I mean? Like, or just straight-up group of villains or something like Walking Dead style. It's it's just these monsters, kind of, you know?
0: Well, even outside of that, I'm talking about, like... In a rom-com situation where it's like, oh, this miscommunication here or, oh, you know, I got a job offer here or this or that. It's just, you know, the obstacles in the romance side of it is this sci-fi element. It's the distance. It's the monsters. So in a way, it's kind of like it is a love story. But the only thing that like really is the hindrance of the love story Instead of it being all those other factors you get in rom-com or something like that, it's just monsters in this case. And, you know, and you've got the main character who's like the lovable loser, you know. Yeah. He's never been particularly good at doing anything that would be truly helpful in an apocalyptic situation other than he's good at fixing the radio and he can make a good minestrone soup. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That is actually, it's interesting that you say that. Journey with me here. I don't know if this makes sense, but you would kind of think of like, say that was the normal everyday world that we lived in where it was just monsters outside everywhere. Essentially, this is kind of like a a super bad of this because he's like, he's got the unattainable girl that he wants to go after and there's all these like obstacles and crazy things that happen along the way to get to that final destination where you're like with the girl so i don't know if that makes sense but you know you like you kind of in a lot of rom-coms say, but for some reason super bad just super came bad. to mind
0: i would say yeah because that's not a rom-com this is but more, you know can't hardly wait
1: yeah actually that's probably a lot more accurate you know i was just the, apocalypse it was just is the, the
0: party you know
1: yeah and i i guess i just like <laughs> it was the first one that came to mind of like Oh, it's this girl that I kind of barely know right now, <laughs> but I want to really get to her and, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. But yeah, I think Can't Harley Wait's a lot more accurate because that's the actual same, yeah. more so in the same uh, genre
0: of movie. Yeah, because he's trying to get to her. Like the whole, he, try, he spends the whole party trying to get to her, you know? Right. And then when he does originally get to her, it doesn't go as planned, you know? Yeah. I think it's just I mean, kind of more of that situation. Point,
1: I guess at this point we can kind of go into spoilers with it right well
0: we could but first we should probably go into (laughs) recommendations and scores okay so recommendations and scores go
1: so i definitely do recommend it um it is it's fun it's just really a very charming type of movie i guess i would call it charming i can't think of a different word for it but um it may be an endearing type of movie but I really enjoyed it a lot. I think it was really good. Um, again, just like the... the There's really only one sort of character development that happens in it, but it's a really good character development throughout. And... Um, I think that serves the purpose of what they're trying to do, but just his character, uh, the character of Joel and just his whole journey and everything that happens. And just again, how they piece together this movie, how they make it look, not only that, but just the pacing of it and the, the way that they're so cleverly telling the story and it unfolding and things like that. It's so well done. This is definitely one of those where I think down the line, Um, it is going to be one of those that we consider a hidden gem again, because it's going to be one of those where it got missed in the midst of everything coming out on streaming services and everything coming out with COVID and stuff, and people are going to miss it. And that would be a shame. So I definitely think that people should watch it. I'm going to give it a, um, hmm, I'm going to give it 85, um, Finding random stray dogs who are now your best friend out of a hundred.
0: This is one of those movies that, yeah, I I agree. I think it's going to get overshadowed by everything that's kind of happened with COVID and everything like that. And just a lack of promotion all around. Uh, Yeah. Like
1: if it was out in theaters, it'd be different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like the fact that while this isn't my, my sweet 90 minutes. That I'm slowly devolving into being the perfect runtime for any movie ever. (laughs) Uh, This is like an hour 45. And this movie is strong enough to go that extra 15 minutes. It it doesn't lose you into the ridiculousness of what it is by going an extra 15 minutes. I thought it would. I thought that that was going to be its downfall before going into it. I thought it was going to overstay its welcome. And it didn't. It did get close. I thought, but by taking some liberties with some montages towards the end, it held together. I think that that's what ended up helping it like stay together, and ultimately, I kind of liked the message of this movie uh the you know that I'll, I'll go i guess into that more in the spoiler side, but I like the message of the movie overall i liked I liked the acting, I think. Everyone in this movie, for the most part, if they had a speaking line, did fine. You know, the main guy whose name I don't remember off the top of my head uh, does a really good job because he's pretty much the one thing you like constant throughout the movie.
1: Yeah. Dylan O'Brien.
0: Yes. I think there's only what a handful of scenes that don't actually have him in it. Right. You know, and one of them being like one of the last scenes of the movie, you know. But yeah. For the most part. Everything revolves around him. And he does just a very good job of handling that. He does a very good job of essentially most of this movie. He is acting against CGI monsters and a dog. And at one point, a yeah. CGI robot like this guy is acting by himself against largely nothing.
1: I am legend style. Pretty but not. much.
0: <laughs> and he does a very good job of keeping this film going. Yeah. You know, I like the way he reacts at times. I didn't I didn't think at any point was his acting wrong. Right. Like the, the his acting choices I felt were accurate for each scene, you know? Yeah. And I like how they kind of just gave you a quick overview of what was happening and caused the apocalypse and then kind of delved into the personal sides of it as the story went on. Yeah. Like. You know, his character's called a liability at the beginning of a movie. Like, he can't go outside the bunker. He's a liability. And you don't know why. And then, as the movie goes on, you find out why, you know? And I thought that that was a very smart way of doing it. Instead of just overloading us with backstory and exposition and all that at the beginning, you give us all we need and then move forward. And you'll give us the rest as we go. Yeah. And I thought that that was a really smart way of handling it. I, I like how he became like, while he was doing it, he more or less became like a weird Lewis and Clark. Like, he came up yeah. with the survival guide, if you will. Like, actually documenting these monsters. Because that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the way they set up this world. Is that, you know, depending on where you were at you'd only maybe run across a handful of types of monsters. And even yeah. if you did, you'd only have certain names for them based on what your group would call them. There wouldn't be anything universal about it, you know? And I liked that he kind of tried to develop that on his journey, not even knowing if he would make it, but just by doing it in case he did die and somebody finds his book, they would have something, you know? Yeah. I I liked that aspect of it. it. It it really added some authenticity to the world that a lot of movies like this don't take that time to do. They they give us a world or they give us an apocalyptic scenario, but they don't always give us a feeling of like it's really truly been lived in before the movie existed. And this movie did. This movie made it feel like that world had been Going on from the inciting incident in the beginning to, you know, whenever the movie starts itself. Like mm-hmm. you felt like time had actually passed, you know, because there mm-hmm. were just certain things that were developed that give that sense of reality to it. And I just always appreciate it when things do that. Yeah. So, um, I do recommend this movie. And, uh, as far as the score goes, I will give it. I'll give it 83 hallucinogenic poisoning slugs out of 100. So, spoilers? Yes. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of really what makes something a spoiler or not a spoiler (laughs) in this movie. It's so incredibly straightforward. I mean, there is, all right, there's the twist ending where the yacht captain's a bad guy. But he's also the same character that you get in a lot of movies where he's the guy that comes along and he just seems too good to be true. So, he is. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if anything, that's the downfall of that, that, that part of the story is that just, of course, he's a bad guy. Like, yeah, it course. just
1: makes sense.
0: <laughs> I would have been more surprised if that character wasn't a bad guy. Yeah. At that point in the movie. I'll um, be honest.
1: I kind of for a minute thought that they were going to make it to where the the girlfriend that he's going to find is bad in some way. I actually was expecting that for some reason <laughs> at one point or I maybe I was just that. like, hmm, are they kind of like co-conspiring her and the captain guy for something, you know, but that didn't happen. So,
0: no, I could see that I did. I mean, I, I did. I did see coming that the twist of that he was in love with her, but it wasn't reciprocated.
1: Yeah, like, I saw that coming.
0: Yeah. And I like the way they handled it, though, is that. He was just living in this one moment that was right before the apocalypse. Yeah. And it's because he did traumatically see his parents get crushed in a car by a gigantic ant. Right. Um, And so he was kind of just stuck, you know. He hadn't moved on as a character in the apocalypse yet. And I like that she had because that's the realistic way of handling things. Um, But I also mm-hmm. like the fact that, like, Once he realized what the situation was, he was like, oh, no, that makes complete sense. I like the fact that he didn't like go off the handle and was like, how could you do this to me or anything like that? No, he was like, oh, no, that makes complete sense that you did all those things and moved on. And I did, you know.
1: Yeah, he was very reasonable. Even as like the hopeless romantic, he was reasonable about it.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's funny because of how unreasonable his beliefs were. I like the fact that whenever it came down to it, he still was reasonable.
1: Yeah, that's what kind of makes him as likable as he is, is the fact that he's just really like kind of level headed, even in those quick moments of making those decisions. He's he's level headed enough to, like, understand, oh, this is what it is now.
0: <laughs> well, I like the fact that it can be like it shows that you can have that grand romantic gesture that is kind of uncertain. And depending on how you look at it, it could be creepy or not. That you can do those (laughs) things or have those beliefs or whatever. But if it doesn't go the way you want, you have to be reasonable about that. And I like that that's how it went. Yeah,
1: yeah. he wasn't just like, I came all the way out here for you. What do you mean? Like, he didn't do that. And I actually appreciated that, too.
0: Yeah, because it shows you can be like a hopeless romantic. But that doesn't mean that you can't be like not a good person. Like, right. And I like the fact that he didn't have like that expectation of the whole, like, like you said, like I risked my life for seven days and did something that no one else has ever done or does at all. Mm -hmm. And you just say, no, like, and he's like, oh no, that's completely a possibility and a reasonable thing to do. So I, I appreciated those aspects of it. And, but then I do also appreciate the fact that like, because of the circumstances and stuff like that, that they didn't completely shut off the romantic relationship idea towards the end of it. And I liked it because it did feel slightly natural because it goes from the whole like, well, yeah, you just showed up and we hadn't seen each other. And what was it like seven years or something like that? Yeah. And yeah, I'm seeing you for the first time and you know, you're just thinking it's the same as it was seven years ago. But then by being around each other in the scenario, After seven years and stuff like that, you know, she was talking about how she's a new person and things have changed and stuff like that. And she got to see how he had changed, too, and stuff. And, you know, I like the fact that it didn't say for sure, like, hey, yeah, we're going to be together now. But I like the fact that it just kind of became a kind of like a we'll see. Yeah. Like, obviously, the chemistry we had back then still applies now. But, you know, it's still the apocalypse, so who knows? Yeah. I liked that kind of aspect to it. I liked the whole idea that you can be so blinded by one thing that you sometimes take other stuff for granted, like he did with his his little colony, you know, that he was so obsessed with getting back to her and being with her and all those things that he took for granted the people that had become his family. and. But then also realized that he had done that and not in like one of those dumb ways where it's like they all got wiped out. And then he's like, oh, no, I took them for granted, like
1: (laughs) in the cliche way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like he just he went through this whole journey and all this other stuff and like really kind of just figured out who he was and then like realized that he, you know, left all these people that still had accepted him without going on that journey, you know?
1: Yeah. It's almost like he, like he set out, it seemed like at the beginning to not only just to kind of obviously see, um, Amy, the, the, the love interest, but also to, it it almost seemed like he wanted to prove to them that they were wrong about what they thought about him, but really he, he wanted to prove it to himself, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's the smart way of doing it. like, You know, like whenever he got back to him, I mean, honestly, just by making it the whole way, he exceeded anybody's expectations of him. Yeah, that he was
1: even still alive.
0: (laughs) Even like the most hardcore survivors apparently would have been had a challenge doing that, you know, like the whole idea of he made it seven days on the surface was astounding to pretty much everybody. Right. Outside of like Michael Rooker's character and that little girl with him, because that's just where they lived. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's the thing is nobody even thought that was a possibility before, you know. But I also like that him going on this journey and him being the character that was kind of the lovable loser and all this other stuff. And he was able to make it, you know, there and back so like 14 days on the surface and everything like that kind of just inspired everybody to be like, oh, we can move on then. Like, I like that whenever he's like, oh, if I can do it, anybody can. And he's not being disingenuous about it. He's like, oh, no, seriously, if I can do it, anybody can, because I am not somebody that should have been able to do that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I also like the fact that not every animal out there wanted to kill them. You know, that there was that, that belief that like, oh, yeah, they're all monsters now. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a little cheesy at the end when he's like staring at that crab's eyes and that crab's like, I'm just sad crab because I'm being shot." and yeah. he's like staring at that crab's eyes and goes oh he's just a sad crab i'm gonna help him and then the crab <laughs> he's not the enemy you know like once they save the crab he's like oh i'm gonna go kill the bad guys now do 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 like <laughs> i mean that's fine at the end and everything but it was it was it was borderline very cheesy <laughs> that he's just lovingly close. staring at the crab's eyes and everything but I mean, I I do like the fact, though, that it does show that not every monster there would have been like that. You know, just like yeah. every animal on Earth doesn't want to kill you. Yeah. There are no, some nice true. animals out there. Now, I'm not saying go walk up to a mountain lion just in case. <laughs> but I am saying that, like, there are things like deer, like deer doesn't want to just kill people. Mountain lion might. Deer won't. I'm also not saying just go walk up yeah. to a deer, but <laughs> if you're standing there and a deer walks up to you, you don't really need to be afraid is all I'm saying.
1: Right. No, that's true. That I didn't think about that, but that's a really, it's a clever way to kind of just be like, but this is kind of how it is in normal world too. It's like not everybody's bad, not everyone's out to try and hurt you, but some people are (laughs) some animals are and you know so it's i do like that they did it that way that that's true that's that was very smart of
0: them i mean i like what they were saying with like the snails and stuff like oh don't get it wrong don't just run up to a snail and be like what's up snail like you still have to be careful because it's a gigantic creature but you know as long as you're not a dumbass to the snail you don't have to worry about dying and probably any situation with that crab they might need to worry but when you save a crab it might save you the moral of the story is know. don't eat shellfish <laughs> i'm just kidding the
1: real message of the movie
0: yes but i mean i don't know i'm not a big shellfish person so i don't know i've heard good yeah, things same. but i've never been a big lobster eater or a big crab eater yeah. never eaten a lot of crab
1: yeah mostly i'm i'm just with like as far as seafood and stuff i'm like shrimp and um calamari well
0: the shrimp counts as shellfish i don't eat a lot of shrimp yeah that's true I, every once in a while i've eaten a lot of imitation crab which is just fish but <laughs> yeah i have eaten a lot of that and like your crab rangoons and your and your like california rolls Eating a lot of imitation oh crab. yeah but i mean so what are some those some uh, uh, uh more thoughts from you
1: i mean i think i think the thing i liked most about this is that pretty much joel's journey throughout this movie and just kind of finding himself and it was really just more a lot of it was about him finding who he was and i do agree about the whole the aspect of he kind of took for granted the people that he did know because he felt like oh they don't respect me they don't think i'm worth anything and so Let me find people who will. And, but the more he thought about it, he was like, but they're still my family, pretty much, you know? And that's just kind of how family is. And I think even the people who were in that group didn't realize like how much maybe they were going to miss him until he journeyed out. And, um, or maybe it was just they didn't actually expect that he would. Um, but it was, I, I just really, I loved that aspect of it, especially, you know, once he once he gets out there to where Amy and her group of people are, he, um, you know, one of the first things he wants to do is be like, hey, I, I want to tell my group that I'm alive and that I'm here and all of that. And immediately when he hears them, he's just like, man, I just miss you guys. Like you could tell on his face that he just felt like maybe I made a big mistake. And I think if I'm remembering right, that was, he had that conversation with his group before he even had the conversation with, um, with Amy about their feelings. Right. Cause I think that came right after if I'm thinking right.
0: Uh, yeah, he had, well, no, no, no. He had that conversation with the group right after he talked to Amy about her feelings.
1: Okay, it was, I knew it was either right before or right after, so okay. It's
0: right after. either way. Because that's when they're like, oh, how are things with Amy? Like, he does, like, he gets choked up a little bit because he doesn't know what to say. Right. Because they're excited for him. Yeah. But But he's
1: like, this didn't work. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, and that's why he's, like, kind of at, like, odds with it. It's just because they're so genuinely happy that he made it and that he gets to be with her. Yeah he doesn't know what to say he didn't want to be like oh yeah i made it here and she doesn't feel the same way guys
1: right and i i think i also just appreciate that he i I don't want to say he knew when to give up but he was just like kind of like you were saying where he was like nope that makes sense that's that's completely fair that (laughs) this is how you feel now and that you've moved on from this and he decided like he did do the thing, the smart thing, or I think it was a smart thing of like, I need to go back to my family. I need to go back to my home. Like, even though I, I, I wanted to do this and I'm glad we like saw each other, but I need to get back to my home kind of thing. And I appreciate that he did that, that he, that he made that decision. And even though it was going to be a dangerous journey back, he still was like, that's my family, I need to get back to them. So um, I just I just think that his choices that he made based off of what happened, were smart, you know, he did the wise thing with it, he, it it was just very endearing to kind of see that. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like they were kind of making it seem like part of the whole him being so adamant about going to see this you know, girlfriend from high school or whatever it was from, is maybe just kind of like that hope of like, things can be how they used to be before the world went crazy. And I definitely have had that feeling before. But you know, where he was just like, because yeah, like you said, he saw his family killed in front of him. And it was kind of maybe like that last thread of like, you know what, this is the only thing I have connecting me to the life that I had before things got insane. And I think that's part of why it was so important for him to to do this journey and to see her. Um, and sometimes maybe perhaps even more than the fact that he actually still loved her, loved her. He, he, he loved the idea of what his life used to be before things were bad, you know? And maybe that's not what they were trying to do, but I kind of got that vibe from it because it's not like he seemed completely heartbroken, <laughs> you know, because oh. he also realized like we haven't seen each other in seven years. So that's oh, no, fair, I do I, I
0: completely think you're reasonable in that. Like, it really is the whole he is in love with the idea of a pre-apocalyptic world. And like that was all he had left with that idea
1: mm-hmm. was that yep. the,
0: that was the one shred of it left is that he had found yep. her again type of situation you know yeah So i definitely get that i think i mean i think he did still have feelings for her but that's also because in general he hadn't really adapted to the new life anyway exactly because they were
1: still technically together when everything went down so yeah it was all right yeah because they didn't officially really break up other than like i'll hopefully see you around you know
0: (laughs) yeah but it was like one of those things where when everything started, you know, they were together and then like everything went bad real fast. And right. You know, but like they were saying that like all he had done was like focus on this stuff essentially to kind of find her. You know what I mean? Like fixing the communication yeah. stuff and doing this and that. And yeah, he can make a good soup. But like he had never really done any of the steps to really help survival or be a part like an active survivor in the new world. He hadn't really done anything. And he just kind of thought he could when he's like, no, I can help. But, and that's one reason why they were kind of like, well, you're a liability because he wasn't doing anything to actively try. And it's whenever he does do those steps, whenever he goes to see her, that he actually takes the steps to do something. Like he actively learns what to do against certain creatures. And, you know, what yeah. berries are okay, what's this, that, you know, he actively becomes a participant in the apocalypse at that point.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And I just, I do, I think it was funny, like just kind of seeing his personality from the, at the beginning where he was just so terrified, <laughs> you know, when everyone's like, you get too scared or whatever it was they told him. And I just thought that was a funny element to add to it. And I think, there's just something about like, yeah, I, I, how you said that Dylan O'Brien sort of just everything w- that he did with his acting, like he just did it all right. You know, all of it was just the a really good way to do this character. And even those like real small, sarcastic moments of things like I just love it was the very beginning when you know, he sees the two people that are just like always hooking up, you know, and they just have the door open and they're just like, whatever about it. And he's just like, you know, he's just like, yeah, I couldn't sleep. they are like, me neither. And he's like, I don't think it's for the same reasons. Like just his real like funny, like witty little quips that he does. I, I just think everything about how he does this like character of how would you call him like lovable loser? He does it well because he's not, he, he's just very, an, an endearing person that, you know, he like, he wants to have that chance to prove that he is valued and valuable. Um, but he just, he, there's just some things about him. He's just, and maybe he was so afraid because I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I mean, he saw his parents killed by one of these crazy monsters You know, so it's like, I get it. He's probably completely terrified after that. And doesn't want to go out at all to the world. But also it's like, you know what? I got to do it. You know, just kind of like some kind of driving something because of how trapped that everybody was. You know, everyone's trapped underground. Like they can't go out into the world or they feel like they can't go out into the world. And so he's like, he he just needs that something that's going to make him feel like, is it all worth it? in a sense. And I just kind of feel like that's just a very relatable type of journey that everyone sort of goes on, not obviously physically with a bunch of monsters out in the wilderness, but just a very kind of cathartic journey that he went on. I mean, even when he, when he sees the robots and, or he's like talking to the robot and just kind of saying what he would say to his family, just a very like self-discovering journey for him. And I just, I loved how they did his character development from beginning to end in this movie. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't a complete jarring change. It was very slow, Slow burn type of change throughout, but in a good way. Like it was believable the different changes that he made. It wasn't like he's, you know, like this crazy, like fearless, angry, terrifying person by the end of it, but he was, you know, he, he, you could tell that he had certain ways that he grew that were very helpful to survival. And I just thought it was really cool how they how they did that throughout this movie for him.
0: Well, I liked it because they kind of just showed like how naive he was when he was just like, Oh, I'm just going to go there. It's like seven days away. And everybody's like, uh, bro, we can't (laughs) even have you go like 10 feet out. What are you doing? Like you can't even help in a situation when a monster gets in the bunker. Right. And you're just going to go out on your own. But like, it's his naivety that like led him out. But then he grew like unnaive while going, you know, and like I said, it, it's the difference between him at the beginning of the movie when he wasn't actively doing anything about like being in the apocalypse. Yeah, he was just a bystander, you know, and when he actually became a participant in it, I think it, it was like there was just a really interesting way of doing that that growth arc. And kind of keeping it unique to this world, you know, because it wasn't something like in The Walking Dead where it's like, oh, this little kid just grew up in the apocalypse. So they know what to do. (laughs) Right. Or whatever. Like it kind of showed with how they had their colonies and stuff like that. Like it was possible to not be a participant in it. You could still be a part of it. And not actively engage in anything going on with the apocalypse. And. Yeah. I just, I liked that. Like, you know, and I like, like I said, I really loved that he was like documenting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was like really that Because cool. mm-hmm. it really kind of showed like what he was talking about. I really liked that something that felt like a throwaway line from Michael Rooker when he's talking about that the lizards can't climb. And. Mm. You know, whenever he's then thinking about that guy's story, and it, the guy's like, "Oh, the lizard climbed over the wall before we knew it," and and he's like, "Oh, that guy's yeah. just a fucking liar, right?" <laughs> you know, yeah. and like with those berries and stuff like that, like you know, I like just the way he was discerning information, like, "Oh, the dog acts like this, therefore it's this," you know, and stuff like that. Like I like yeah. those little aspects of it, and. I I kind of yeah. wish the dog hadn't just shown up. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> wish that he was already his dog. Well, I I wish he had gone out to find the dog at the end. You know, after the dog runs away from him. Mhm. I don't I don't like the fact that the dog just showed up at the nick of time. I wish he had gone out looking for the dog.
1: Yeah. You can see that,
0: you know. And I was also kind of sad that the dog didn't have the dress when it came back. I think the dog should have came back with the dress.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's but true. But I mean,
0: I guess that was the whole with them showing that like, oh, a dog had accepted him as its like new owner now, you know. But Right. If the dog ran away with the dress, the dog should come back with the dress. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I mean, it was just a very smart way of doing stuff. I mean, the only like really big problem I had with this movie was like the the sky jellies. There were just those like light up jellyfish that were floating there.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: the, the Mavis units all like, oh, they're not harmful. They're fucking jellyfish. Yes, they are. And two, how are these jellyfish <laughs> just they are. floating around in the sky like right. it's water? I just didn't understand that. Now, don't get me wrong. It was a very like beautifully shot scene.
1: Yeah, it really they was. They did cool. a
0: very good job with all that aspect of it. I just didn't like the fact that it was like jellyfish in the sky.
1: It could have just been like overgrown fireflies or something like yeah. <laughs> that's already usually in the sky.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also those jellyfish had stingers hanging down <laughs> like right. it showed them like that's not yeah. okay. Like they might not actively <clears throat> be hunting you, but to be like, oh, they're not dangerous. No, you could just walk into one and die because that's that happen in real life with real jellyfish. You can just walk into them and die.
1: Right. Yeah, that's true, though, because like, it's the only type of creature, per se, that like, in the normal world, it is dangerous. But for some reason in this world, it wasn't more dangerous. <laughs> like, yeah, that is an interesting one. And you're right, it looks super cool. Like, I liked that part for that reason. Um, but yeah, it's just like, they, that would be dangerous. Like, it was it did look awesome. But again, yeah, just use fireflies. Like, they're pretty cool, too. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah i mean but it's still it's just one of those things that it, that's also the only animal that changed where it lived like
1: yep <laughs> it went yep. from
0: the water to the sky
1: yeah it's weird because like it's not that this movie felt prehistoric or whatever but it just just the it was just kind of cool that it felt it, it just kind of reminded me about just kind of of dinosaurs and all of that because of this is this type of creature and this is this type of monster and this is what they do. And um, it, it was just kind of, it just reminded me of that, which was kind of cool because you feel like that's, that's just kind of the world now. And so it's good to to know these things and it's people can document and learn these things about these different monsters out there because, that's the world they live in. Like, I don't know. It just it had that feel to it. But it was cool, like how they incorporated that in in the in the right
0: way, you know? Yeah. No, it's very smart. I mean, and I, I kind of like how you like reference dinosaurs with that because it is kind of the same way. Like there are your carnivorous dinosaurs and your uh, herbivores and stuff like that where, you know, a herbivore might not eat you, but it can still kill you. Like, yeah. Was it like a brontosaurus might not eat you, but it could still stomp on your face? (laughs) Yeah. You know, just depending on the circumstance, you know? Yeah. Although I'll say this. I'm really sad that those gigantic ants didn't turn up again. Like the ones that crushed a car because they were so huge. Like, yeah, don't show up again. I'm like, those are ants. There are more ants on this world than people true
1: and that would have been like an interesting um like extra sort of internal battle like if that was instead of the crab or maybe along with the crab at the end there that it was a a giant ant and then it's like bringing up all of these emotions making it harder for him to battle against it because of him thinking about his parents or something it would have been an interesting element to add you know
0: Well, especially because the ants being that big at the beginning of the movie. Those were things were fucking gigantic.
1: Yeah, they were huge. But like, You
0: didn't even see like the ant bodies; You could just see the legs. Yeah, and, like, exactly. The thing is, and the funny thing is, is like animals that big couldn't exist anymore. And there's actually like a reasonable explanation behind it. Like the same with like monsters, all like Godzilla, like why monsters could never be that big anymore or even as big as like a lot of dinosaurs were back then. And it has everything to do with there is less oxygen in the air now than there was back then. Like the concentration of oxygen in the air Mm, is less. So bigger animals like that couldn't survive anymore because they wouldn't be able to breathe enough oxygen just by breathing. Yeah. There's not enough oxygen particles in the air to actually keep it to where they could breathe. And... You know, like the crab and stuff like that and some of those other like the smaller monsters, those make sense. Those could survive. But those gigantic ass ants couldn't. They'd be too big. They wouldn't be able to breathe enough to get enough oxygen to survive. Mm. And so that's what applies to like a Godzilla and things like that. They couldn't breathe enough oxygen because there's just not enough. You know? Yeah. And yeah, that's true. And so ever since I like read an article breaking all that down. Like, it slightly ruins things like this for me. Because all I do is I'm like, ants couldn't be that big. They'd die.
1: (laughs) This is not realistic already.
0: You know, because they can't breathe. Like, because they also breathe through their skin. You know what I mean? And so, like, ants being so small, it works. Because they're breathing through all of their skin at once, you know? And... So an ant being that big, breathing through all their skin, there's just not enough. Especially with that many. And maybe that's the reason why you don't see them later. Like, yeah, they were able to, like, grow and they were able to be around for a little bit. But ultimately, like, they die of, like, lack of oxygen. And that's why you don't see them anymore. But nobody realizes things like that are gone because everybody's just in bunkers. But then you would also have to, like, that's, I guess the one big conceit in this movie is... With all, like, considering it's, like, bugs mainly that change, like, oh, the world would have been completely destroyed if that was the case. Because. Oh, yeah. There are just trillions of bugs. <laughs> and yeah. And if they all of a sudden all grew monstrous, yeah, humanity's completely fucked beyond belief. Yeah. You know? And so, like, you d- that's, I guess, where it gets into the fantastical elements of this is because. Mm-hmm. There should have been – there should have been way more monsters, you know, but there wasn't. And
1: maybe, like, if there's if there's ever a second one, it'll go into, oh, these are the creatures that we didn't know about before, the ones that we didn't encounter before now until well, we reached yeah. this part,
0: you know. Yeah, they could easily do that, but I'm just saying, like, inst- if that was one of those things where all of a sudden all these things became gigantic and monstrous and all this other stuff, like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to move – There would just be so many gigantic (laughs) ass monsters that everybody would immediately die because it's like all of a sudden there's like 50 gigantic spiders on top of your house, you know, Mm -hmm. like even, you know, or just like I said, ants, there's trillions and trillions of ants in this world. Like all of a sudden they're all gigantic, like that would destroy everything. Termites, there's trillions of termites in this world. You know, I just I do like they they, they did it because, of course, they had to make it work. You know what I mean? You couldn't have just insects like gigantic insects every two inches because that's what it would be if they all got big, you know, but like they had to make it to where humanity stood a chance. Otherwise, there's no movie. But
1: yep, that's true.
0: I just think it's funny that. Like there is that conceit, like, and they have to have it from the very beginning, you know, because if you just like if you look at even the little things like the little mites that we have that live in our eyelashes, you know, (laughs) yeah, you know, if all of a sudden those things grew gigantic, they're already on your face. (laughs) Even if they just grew (laughs) like three inches, all of a sudden you've got like three inch mites all over your face. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Think about fleas or ticks or anything like that. I just out of nowhere. Like... Yeah, that sounds terrible. There's like a dog somewhere that just got crushed by a billion fleas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, and that's when you're getting like super nitpicky with it, though. But like, I will say this. When you're watching the movie, it does a very good job of just presenting a world that, whilst fantastical or sci-fi, still feels very... Like, I don't want to say realistic, but plausible within the confines of what they built
1: yeah it, it does take you into that world yeah for sure
0: so do you got any more thoughts about this movie or anything else you um, want to say about it
1: honestly just like i really do hope they do a second one just because I, I think that it, it's honestly they could have made make this into like a series or something <laughs> that would be a great series but at least doing like a sequel i think it, i think it totally should because they're just i feel like they're they just kind of touch the surface of what they could get into with this world that they created. And it would just be kind of fun to see other stuff that they could bring to the table with it.
0: And I want a sequel because I just want to see some fucking snow spiders.
1: <laughs> that will be terrifying, but I understand the appeal for you.
0: I mean, it's just one of those things that like in in Game of Thrones, in, in the show they mention snow spiders, like as a thing that used to live in the north at least, and the books kind of talk about how there are snow spiders and stuff, I'm just tired of shit talking about snow spiders and not delivering on snow spiders. I I just want to see see them. Some fucking snow spiders. Yeah. I don't think I'm asking too much. I'm just saying, if you're going to (laughs) keep bringing up fucking snow spiders in my sci-fi fantasy, you know, media that I consume, fucking Give me some damn snow spiders. That's all I want. Yes. I was just hoping that maybe there would have been like a little after credit scene where it just shows a snow spider. That's all. Just show me a snow spider, because I want to know. What a like, snow a, this spider is what's is.
1: coming up. Yeah, right. exactly.
0: Are they hairy like tarantulas, or are they more akin to your typical spiders, like your black widows, where they're more smooth skinned and whatnot? I these are I don't, questions I, I want to know. know.
1: I don't know why. Like in my head, I just think of like white
0: tarantulas see like albino ones and that's not necessarily scary because tarantulas are not poisonous to people now don't get me wrong if it's a gigantic ass tarantula they've got things that can impale you beyond belief and you're still dead (laughs) yeah but i'm just saying you don't have to worry about the venom aspect of it all because their venom's not poisonous to humans right but if they were like more akin to like a wolf spider that's bigger while wolf spiders their venom can you know doesn't typically affect humans or anything like that theoretically yeah it's like a wolf spider man but a big one though theoretically it's venom could affect a person or if you're getting into something more like your brazilian huntsman's or something like that which are big and fuzzy and incredibly venomous you know Hmm. because that's kind of what uh the brazilian huntsman like. It's kind of what they bastardize to make arachnophobia. Oh, okay. And because they are the most deadly spider in the world, and it's not necessarily because their poison is just extra deadly or anything like that. It is super deadly. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's not a deadly poison. But it also has to do with the fact that they're highly aggressive. Mm. And they kill a lot of kids because they hide in shoes. They'll get in shoes oh, and you stick yeah. your feet in. And instead of like biting you once, they bite you like ten times. Oh, you know, and like I said, they're highly aggressive spiders, too. They don't just like run away from people. They're they're like, oh, you're a person. I don't give a fuck. I'll kill you, motherfucker. Like they very much stand their ground. And so the combination of being highly aggressive and biting several times and all those other things kind of helps them be deadlier, you know. Uh But there is an anti venom for them. And if I'm I remembering mean... correctly and don't quote me on this. I don't believe it's like a Black Widow one, where a Black Widow antivenom is good once ever in your life. So they will only use it if you're going to die. I think a Brazilian Huntsman's because it's not a neurotoxin. Like Black Widow, the reason why is it's because it's a highly potent neurotoxin. That's why they can't use it a lot. So like the Huntsman's not a neurotoxin. So I think that that's why you might get more than one dose if you need it for multiple times.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is like a... Real terrifying note to end uh, an episode on.
0: <laughs> but I want to see a fucking snow spider because I don't think that there's anything inherent about a spider. that would need to be furry to survive in the, the snow. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not exothermic where they produce their own body heat. So
1: essentially it would just be for the look of making them look more scary, probably, if they did it that way. Well, and it's just and your like
0: snow creature is always furry.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. But I'm just saying there's nothing inherent to a spider that would need to be furry to survive. So the idea of the tarantulas or like, you know, the big fuzzy spider isn't necessary. But I get why the aesthetic it works, you know, because if you have like a Bigfoot or a Yeti or a woolly mammoth, you know, they're all furry fuckers. So what
1: I'm hearing is they should consult you on what they should look like when they start to make movies about these spiders.
0: (sighs) If I was to pick a spider to be a snow spider, honestly, I would think something like an orb weaver would be nice. Like a what? An orb weaver. Or ooh, 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 a funnel uh a funnel web spider, like in Australia. Those would be some really great snow spiders. They are mm. um, they are more the fuzzy varietal. Highly deadly though.
1: Your knowledge of spiders is impressive.
0: I really <laughs> like spiders.
1: I can tell, yeah.
0: And that's why I want to see a fucking snow spider. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm being unreasonable. I just want a fucking snow spider in my life. So if there's anybody out there that knows something that shows me a fucking snow spider. And I know I think they exist in like dungeons and dragons and stuff like that, which is fine. But I want to see one in a show. I want a movie or a TV show that shows me a fucking snow spider and i'm not like reimagined a lava spider because i have seen that movie i want to see a snow spider you heard it here first folks so give me that uh (laughs) anything else
1: no i think that's it for me
0: me for so on that note guys thank you guys for listening to this special little quick bonus episode of the similar Slayers podcast Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're cinema underscore slayers. Uh, recommend us to your friends and family, uh, or enemies. Recommend us just to people. That'd be great. Uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And if not five sp- stars, message me first and tell me why it's not five stars and give me three episodes to make it five stars before you then do it. Um, Unless it's because of me. If you're like, oh, I don't want to give it five stars because of you, Sterling, and then I'll just say, fuck you to whoever you are, because <laughs> why would you do that? I'm fucking delightful. And even though Justin's not here, just remember, according to him, Moon Knight is the Best Picture winner.